The more you put in, the more satisfying the job and the more rewarding it is to reaching the children that are most difficult to reach. They stay with you your whole life. Those stories and the impact you make on them and the programs you can set up to give them what they need is just the most rewarding piece of teaching. Welcome to School Me. I'm Michelle Hudgens with the National Education Association, the leading advocacy group for student success. NEA works tirelessly to ensure you as educators have what you need to reach, teach, and inspire your students every day. Today, we're speaking with Annette Romano, a veteran educator of 31 years from New York, about what she learned about lesson planning over the course of her career. 31 years, so you've seen it all, and I know you've held a variety of positions over the years. Tell us about your current position. I'm currently a teacher on special assignment, so for half-time, I work in the Niskayuna Central School District, supporting teachers in curriculum design and professional development. And the other half, I'm the director of the National Board Council of New York, which is a network which supports teachers pursuing National Board certification. So you were in special education early in your career? I was a special ed teacher for four years. I started in a very rural school in upstate New York, teaching a self-contained special education class. And I had 14 students. It was a very difficult, challenging time for me. I had 14 students, and they ranged in age from 8 to 16. We had one teacher assistant who saved me because she knew so much about the school and the community that really helped me. And I worked there for two years, and then I became a resource room teacher in a more suburban school, which really helped me understand curriculum K through 5, and then I became a first-grade teacher. In that classroom with that range of students, how did you prepare? Like, how did you get started? What did you, even just to begin to prepare for one lesson for one day, what does that take? What does that look like? I think I was really ill-prepared in a way, and I knew right away that I needed to get more education in teaching reading. So I went back for a literacy degree to get my master's in reading because all of these children had trouble learning to read. So one of the things I had to think about is what levels they were on and then how to create lessons to meet their needs on the various levels. So you definitely developed some tricks then along the way. There were some things you picked up that made it a little bit easier for you, I'm sure. I definitely went and just saw any teacher that was staying after school late also that was dedicated that I could just have conversations with. And I would say I did that for the first 10 years of my job. Always sought out other teachers to pick their brains, to talk about children, especially children with special needs, and try to do a better job, learn strategies, connect with kids. If you were a new teacher, what was one of the first things that you said, this is a good tool, this is a good resource that you used? I think one of the first things that really changed my practice was doing running records and listening to children read and taking notes on what kinds of mistakes they were making, errors they were making, and then what I would do, what kind of strategies I would use to fix those and make them, you know, really focus my lessons on what they needed and also their strengths. So it was more the methods I learned to do that that really changed some of my practice. And then actually really getting organized and teaching children to use the classroom more independently and teaching certain ways of working within the classroom so that children could independently function in different areas of the classroom. 
Now that you're working with a wide variety of educators, what are some of the common mistakes you see among early career educators when it comes to lesson planning? One of the things I see more novice teachers doing is really keeping kids busy with activities and rather than thinking about what is it that you really want to accomplish and how is it aligned to the learning standards and how are you going to move them forward within a unit, so connected lessons over time rather than isolated skills or isolated lessons that just don't connect. So in order for it to be meaningful, it needs to be relevant. They need to be able to think about how they can apply that new learning and those skills. And those skills should be transferable to other content areas. So you know it's rich and relevant when they can do that. So you take one the measurement area that I was talking about and then linking it into the science unit on plants and now they're measuring their plants and they're recording in their booklet and using that so that their ELA is also woven in. So you're weaving things together and that is just a really good use of time. So rather than just filling the day with little activities that are disconnected, really thinking about making tasks rich and connected and relevant. Thanks for listening to School Me. And a quick thank you to all the NEA members listening. If you're not yet an NEA member, visit nea.org slash whyjoin. Clearly, you put a lot of thought into lesson planning. Is this a crucial part of teaching? Well, really, if you're not prepared, I feel like you really are doing children a disservice. We don't have time to waste in our days and in our classroom especially with children that have major achievement gaps. So it was always really important to me as a special educator and then later as a first grade teacher to make every moment count and to really have kids work efficiently. So as far as looking at the planning time, most developed nations have way more collaboration time and way more planning time than American schools. We don't have enough in a given day. So when you think about your given day, you won't have enough time to plan given the hours of your school day. It needs to occur after school, and that's just part of this profession is beyond the school day. And so working with, collaborating with your colleagues, collaborating with specialists so that you're meeting the needs of the children, the planning is so key, knowing those standards and the scaffolding it takes and then the differentiation that it takes to meet the individual needs of of your class is just incredibly important. I'm sure, you know, with all those lesson plans, how far in advance did you have to plan for that? I mean, you had so many lesson plans to do at one time. So how did you, you know, handle that whole process? Did you start in the summers? Did you go months, weeks in advance? Definitely. I think there's different ways to look at lesson planning. One, you want to think about, and this is hard to do before your first year, that you really can need a little help with um, your other grade level teachers, but kind of get a big picture of the whole year and what units you want to cover and when you're going to cover them. So you have this big picture, kind of a curriculum calendar, and then breaking it down to more shorter term units. And then within the unit, what do you hope to accomplish? What do you want your students to know and be able to do at the end of that time? So I've done a lot of work in that in the last few years with teachers using understanding by design. So I really started to use that as a way of thinking through my lessons. And then in the summer, I think the kind of thinking that I would do was, I have this much time in a day, and what are the structures 
or systems within my classroom that I want to have for longer periods of time so that I'm not cutting up that six-hour day into these tiny little pieces, but children have longer, richer opportunities to get into deeper thinking and really applying what they're doing, so more project-based teaching. You brought up two things that I want to delve into. So first, let's talk about tools and resources that other educators or that you use as an educator to help facilitate some of that planning. What are some of your favorite resources? I've really used a lot of the Understanding by Design, the Understanding by Design template for lesson planning that was created by Grant Wiggins and Jay McTighe. And Jay McTighe has a good website. And it's kind of a way of thinking that's backwards planning. So you start by thinking what you want to accomplish and then saying, okay, so by the end of this unit, what should the students know and be able to do? And creating then a performance assessment based on that. So stage one is to identify the learning standards set out by your state or national standards and then identifying what they should, what some of the enduring understandings are then creating essential questions. So that kind of motivates the student to actually learn that unit. So like, what is measurement? And where is measurement used in the world? And what are the different ways and tools people measure with? And so kind of putting them in scenarios that they would have to select tools and things like that. What's some of the most craziest non-traditional tools you've used in the classroom? I try to work constructively with them, and so I'm thinking that in second grade we have to learn about urban, rural, and suburban communities. And so I built in a field trip for each of those units so that they could experience that. For the suburban, we took a bus ride into Schenectady, and we took a walk through the historic sections, and they observed why are these houses different, built differently? The row houses didn't need garages. And, and so they were just really observing the community and then going by a train station and a bus station, which they don't have in their town. And then for the rural, we went to a dairy farm and they were taking notes. And then for the town, we actually went and interviewed business people. We walked into the town with clipboards and backpacks and we interviewed business people as they were working in their businesses at the bank and at the bagel shop. And then they came back and they did presentations. I want to go to class. <laughs> Sounds fun. That was at least three field trips. Yes, that was, that was the three field trips of our year. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, technology, I'm sure, as time has evolved, has really changed yes. in the classroom. Tell me about that. How do you find yourself using technology in new and different ways? Well, I think the doc cam has totally changed how you can have children share their writing, where they can project their writing and the class can see it and give suggestions and compliments to each other by sharing their writing with the document camera. I think smart boards and having interactive technologies has been amazing and being able to take children really virtually around the world and then laptops and iPads and Chromebooks have been able to make them authors and publishers of their writing very early. So it's pretty exciting. I think there's, there's just so much at their fingertips now that they can be researchers through different Pebble Go and Brain Pop. And there's some really great websites that are fantastic tools. I'm sure some of our early career educators would love to know what's one mistake that you made early on and what did you learn from it? 
I think early on you may be intimidated to have parents in the classroom because you're not sure how confident you are. But I think over the years I just did more and more of that. So just really opening yourself up to be vulnerable. I do think that if there are practices that you don't like, like we did a lot of whole class achievement testing of first graders when I first started, and I advocated for that not to happen. And my went up to my principal and said, I'm never going to give this test again. And he said, well, what would you do if you could change that? And then we started to do real authentic assessments with our children. So I think, you know, just knowing that you don't have to be a veteran teacher to create change. You can be you can be an early career teacher and make your voice heard because you know the research and you know what's valuable and trust your instincts and advocate for those kids. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And be sure to download the NEA Today app for NEA's member magazines and the latest education advice, tips, and news.